I'm Gavin Scott, your host. Welcome to the Stay Outstanding podcast, the show that shares wisdom and gifts knowledge, motivates you to be your authentic self, influences you to fulfill your true potential, encourages you to take action, and inspires you to step into your greatness. Welcome back for another episode uh, of Stay Outstanding. I'm so pleased to have today's guest here, Anthony Frizina, who is an author, speaker, uh, founder of Above and Beyond. Uh, Anthony, I know some of the work that you've been doing and it's really inspiring, but why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our guests and tell them about what you do? Hey, Gavin. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, my name is Anthony Frazina. I'm from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and I founded Sprand Above and Beyond through the opportunity in Hamilton to host a local uh, cable TV show. So we go through this uh, trial process and they decided to pick up my show and I started producing co-hosting and then hosting the show above and beyond and it's about bringing awareness to accessibility and inclusion uh, within my community and it garnered so much respect and so much notoriety that uh, following on the opportunity to publish a book under the same namesake uh, came to be and things just kind of catapulted from there you know it's accessibility and inclusion is often overlooked and overshadowed it's often uh considered secondary it's considered an afterthought in most worlds so i really wanted to bring that uh formidably to the uh, forefront of conversation because disability is the largest minority group worldwide and disability is the only demographic with a fluctuation rate with that uh, it could happen to anyone situationally temporarily permanently or at birth or what have you Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine the journey um, that many people have been through. Um, you're trying to be an advocate for inclusion. Um, what barriers have you come up against in your uh, will to try and achieve that? Absolutely. Thanks, Gavin. Um, so I was born with spina bifida hydrocephalus, uh, which hydrocephalus translates to water on the brain. And spina bifida is essentially a spinal cord injury. So my spinal cord injury is C3. Uh, I used to be able to walk with the use of a cane. And my condition subsequently digressed to the point at age 12, where I had a surgery uh, that had a success rate of 40%. Uh, from there, uh, I was then using a wheelchair there on after. But, you know, throughout the support of my family, my friends, it was really a negative. It wasn't uh, something that, you know, I should frown upon transitioning from walking to using a wheelchair. It was really an opportunity uh, to be outspoken about gratitude and the importance of setting a path of access and inclusion. Um, challenges we face typically uh, in my world are a lot of the educational barriers and the attitudinal barriers of access and inclusion. It's often, I'm often reminded of the, uh, of the quote, if you build it, they will come. But uh, if you don't build it with accessibility, uh, you are eliminating approximately 15% of the population worldwide. 
So when we think of accessibility and inclusion, we need to think of that at the forefront of the conversation and build with accessibility, both tangibly and intangibly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems to me that, and you'll be able to confirm this, that societal norms are often the biggest barrier to inclusion. You know, old attitudes die hard and many still resist the accommodation of students, let's say, with disabilities and learning issues, as well as those from minority cultures. So it's one thing to say, if you build it, they will come. It's another thing to overcome societal norms. Do you know what I mean? The, the two are a little Absolutely. different. Um, how would you suggest that we best get around inspiring society to wake up and say, there's a group of people here that are just like us and they deserve to be able to access what we have access to um, without feeling any different? How, how do we go about achieving that? Well, it's about amplifying the importance of equity. Uh, now, as a member of the disability community, um, we do know that access and accommodation typically is meant to level the playing field, not uh, create a semblance of advantage or privilege. Uh, and we need to build allyships together. Uh, the disability community knows what the disability community knows. And further to that, we need to, you know, get that message out and be more vocal at you know, various tables and part of representation uh, and have our voices not only listened to, but heard, and we need demonstration and action to take place. But we also need to reach the target that doesn't have a uh, re relationship to the disability community because that's our largest market that we can help create that allyship together and create and overcome those barriers of inaccess and lack of inclusion. I love how you phrase it, the allyship. That's, uh, it just presents a, a beautiful, warm vision inside my uh, brain. I think some of the barriers are clear. Um, you know, you've just made a great vision in my mind, but lack of vision and support for a shared understanding through dialogue, resources or skills or skill development. So I think there's got to be an onus on people in leadership positions, you know, to, to take the first step rather than you approach them, they approach you kind of thing, you know? Um, and, and that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. But I don't think we're there yet, Gavin. I think we need to be, as advocates, more uh, involved in the discussions that lead to the actions and the uh, demonstrations, we're often uh, uh, pushed back by a lot of ableism, a lot of discrimination on account of people don't necessarily have the desire to change. People don't necessarily have the des desire to amplify uh, a community. And, and I say that with respect, but because, but the action is there, but the results are there, the results show it. I'll, I'll speak to uh, a quick point in Canada here. I've just spoken uh, with various municipalities uh, with regards to snow removal. 
and how it impacts people with disabilities. Now, they have a lack of understanding that uh, we need the sidewalks and the pathways clear properly. We need curb cuts and transitional strips visible. And we can't create snow banks of six, seven, eight feet tall because that impairs vision. Having those conversations and being part of the solution is really the approach that I take with Above and Beyond. You know, I've never been the type of person to stand in front of an audience or a crowd that says, you know, this is your problem, go fix it. You know, this is the solution and here's how we get it done together. But it's about overcoming the barriers and the intangibles and the attitudinal barriers of change, being uh, open to change. Yes, yes, absolutely. The beliefs or attitude at the moment would sort of suggest an unwillingness to, as you say, embrace a philosophy of inclusion or to change existing practices. Um, an inadequate understanding also of the general education practices uh, within sort of the education structure um, on how students with disabilities can participate in general education. Um, so now we're talking very specifically about students, but I think that's like, if you can win with the students, you can win anywhere, right? Like, I think it's a really big part because education is the biggest portal for the world of awareness to open up. Um so I, I think really that is very important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, inclusion in education, inclusion practices, inclusion best practices in education is key, but also having a, an opportunity to teach inclusion. We're not there where inclusion is second nature. And no. I don't think we're ever going to be there, to be perfectly honest with you. I think really? it's about the progression, not the perfection right. of it. And in saying that, you know, our biggest allies are our youth, um, you know, speaking to, you know, kids, uh, toddlers, um, um, adolescents, because, you know, a lot of kids tend to be more curious, you know, want to learn about disability, want to learn about inclusion. I know as me with a visible physical disability, they'll see my, my wheelchair in the last questions. And I'm totally open to that. I want to be able to answer the questions. Because that answers leads to conversation, to understanding, and to less ignorance. And really, that's part of the process. I, uh, I know it's not a, uh, an overnight uh, solution or a, a solution, you know, five, ten years from now. But the fact that we need to build and continue momentum on access and inclusion is important to the greater good of collective prosperity for everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. I think like with regards to students, particularly parents and staff aren't sure exactly what inclusion is. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. You know, you need to have parent training uh, and information centers that are supporting uh, with workshops so that, you know, it, it does filter through these uh, educational structures. Um, it, it, it's 
It's alarming to me that you say we will never be there, Anthony. How does that actually make you feel when you say that? Because if it was me, I'd become a little defensive and a little frustrated to feel that I'd never get there. Well, I say that, uh, Gavin, because it's a progressive uh, thing that we need to build. We need to build the momentum because I don't think there is a full semblance of perfection when it comes to access and inclusion because of the evolution. Uh, because of how the world changes. Like give the pandemic, for example, a lot of uh, things the disability community uh, were made aware of uh, prior to the pandemic, the, the rest of the world was experiencing, whether it be the isolation, whether it be the lack of access to certain areas. And, and, and it kind of uh, put a spin and leveled the playing field, so to speak, that that with this pandemic. But when it comes to the uh, furthering of access and inclusion, we need to build, put those pieces together. Uh, and I don't think there's, there, there isn't gonna be a summit. You know, We can't say that, hey, we're fully inclusive, we're fully accessible, because I always think there's something more to be done. There's something greater to achieve as we evolve. Of course, of course. Um... I, I do agree. I mean, at the moment, we've got gender evolution, right? Mm -hmm. And people don't know how to quite uh, include gender evolution. So, you know, gender evolution has been around a lot less than inclusion has. Um, so it, it, perhaps you're right. Perhaps I'm too much of an idealist uh, and I guess... It's a world that you're dealing with every day and you're, you're a bit more of a realist perspective. You certainly mentioned it too, Gavin. Um, when you come to the, you know, whether it be employment, whether it comes to infrastructure, whether it comes to buildings, you know, they have this semblance of wanting to talk about equity, diversity and inclusion. It has to go beyond a disclaimer. It has to go beyond a mission, vision and um, statement of commitment. You know, we need to see the action. We need to see the, the demonstration of it. So what I'm doing now with Above and Beyond, uh, the equity, diversity, and inclusion pillars are missing something. Access is typically hidden under the equity pillar. So the idea behind it is to extrapolate the access pillar, re reformulate the letters, and then you have idea, inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. And to, similarly, and to similarly uh, go off that framework of building greater access and greater inclusion, and not just tangibly, but intangibly as well. And that includes the attitudinal barriers to alleviate, uh, promoting more education, and promoting kindness. Kindness is a big part of when we include people. It, you have no idea how much of a difference it makes, and we're not talking about you specifically, but and when we include people in the in the world with kindness, it really just helps amplify uh, what the collective can can do together. Yeah, uh, I, absolutely. Um, I had a uh, an instance recently where a family came up to me in an airport and said, 
This is our long-lost Uncle Tom. He doesn't speak English or Spanish. Can you take him on the plane and dump him the other side? And I was like, what? And I, you know, <laughs> if you've ever been through airports, you know, like, you don't take people through airports that you don't know. But I could see that they were kind of being genuine, and I felt, you know, I'd been in that situation myself in a foreign country, no understanding of what I was doing or where I was going, and I just thought, this guy needs a, a, a kind hand. So I, I, I took him with me and, you know, it was a experience, um, but he was very thankful and his family, the other side that corrected him uh, when I land, when we landed were also very, very thankful. And it's, you know, <laughs> there was a moment where the uh, custom guards asked him to open his bag and he couldn't because he didn't understand what they were saying. So I had to translate and I had to open his bag. And, you know, I don't even speak Uncle Tom's language. Like, you know, I had to do the whole role play with sign language and making things up and, you know, off we go and all these kind of things. And I could have chosen just as easily to say no, but I chose kindness instead. And, you know, I think if you're ever in a position where you can choose no or kindness, you should always choose kindness, you know? Absolutely. I think that's got to become the natural attitudinal sort of kind of thing. Otherwise, we're always going to have a barrier. Absolutely. It's about a hand uh, hand up, uh, Gavin, not a handout. You know, you know, if, as I mentioned earlier, the, the semblance, if you build it, they will come. If you think proactively when it comes to accessibility rather than reactively, you provide more opportunities. You amplify more people and you amplify the message of kindness. You amplify the message of caring for people regardless of uh, their diversity. And when you think of it from a proactive standpoint, you're, you're showing that kindness. You're showing that semblance to bring people into your world, into a different uh perspective and you're in turn embracing their world so i think it's a win-win for everybody i agree i was just thinking about this you know like in the non-inclusion world if you invited somebody into it and became inclusive the level of respect kindness gratitude sincerity that would be paid back and then paid forward. You know, it's like a it's like a ripple, right? In 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 the pool or the ocean. Like one action just leads to more. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And so in terms of the inclusion world, we would become much more inclusive. Yeah, and it takes you know, that conversation to be had, you know, it takes representation at the table. You know, I always say that diversity is at being at the table. Inclusion is being asked to speak and belonging is having your voice being heard. You know, it's a lot of people with disabilities have their voices go unheard. And there's a lot of untapped potential 
for many people with disabilities to create a fundamental systemic and culture change if given the opportunity of acceptance, if given the opportunity to embrace their abilities to another person and show that lived experience of disability can be an asset rather than a liability. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just blown away by the idea that somebody with a disability can't be as good as another. It's just, uh, it's just a bit crazy, really. And uh, I, I don't really know how to overcome it, which is why I'm so grateful for our conversation because I know that you do, because you've been living with this and challenging this and to many degree conquering this your whole life. I appreciate that, Gavin. Yeah, and it's challenging the societal, uh, the stereotypes and the stigmas behind disability, disability inclusion. And uh, overcoming the challenges, not only for myself, but for the next generation. Above and beyond is really about leaving a legacy for the next generation to enjoy greater access and greater inclusion and to not have to go through the challenges that I'm going through to uh, overcome the systems that are inaccessible and lack inclusion on various levels. I think... um... I think, uh, I don't know, how, how can I either help you or how can I personally create more of an impact for a more inclusive society? It just, we're having this conversation and I'm just thinking to myself, the idea that this isn't possible seems quite crazy. Oh, it's absolutely possible. Greater access and greater inclusion is extremely achievable, but it comes with the power of allyship, Gavin. It comes with the power of relationships that you take on in your communities, how you amplify one another. It's how we build each other up, you know, to give each other an opportunity to live the quality of life that we want to live, not something that is dictated by a handout. Our activities of daily living are not uh, subject to a, Um, a stereotype or a stigma or the lack of inclusion that dictates or gatekeeps us from living the life that we want to live. So it it comes from a a vision and a mission of being a a voice, you know, within your community. It comes with a mission and a vision of being an action taker uh, on the tangible uh, points of view for access. How many people do you think in the disability non-inclusion world are currently working from home that could work as freelancers? That's the thing. You know, the ability to work from home has now opened the door for many people with disabilities to be more employable. Mm. Working from home for me has been a game changer. Um, so, you know, I have my own amenities. I have my abilities to, to do my work in a more peaceful environment. I have the same uh, accommodations that I would have if I were at my place of employment. 
but um, I continue to, to grow that. I continue to amplify that message. Um, I mean, there's over 1.1 billion people worldwide that identify as members of the disability community. I mean, so in that number alone, Gavin, there's so much more that we can give together and to create that um, inclusion for everybody. Now, again, I spoke uh, previously about the tangible and intangible skills, but it's about being more consciously aware of an accessible building. How can we take an approach to help uh, create that building more accessible? According to the Rick Hansen Foundation, which is a spinal cord injury here in uh, Canada, the cost to build a new building uh, that is accessible is 1% to the additional cost of the building. Rather than retrofitting accessibility into an existing build is significantly more. Okay, so how many buildings are being built? To what degree? There's been a multitude of buildings. So in the downtown area, how many new buildings in the last three years? That's the thing, though. I mean, if they're not built with access and inclusion, then there's a lot of retrofitting of accessibility that needs to be had, which costs more. That's right. so part of the barriers. It's incumbent upon the local policymakers within the halls of politics to effectively mm-hmm. make a regulation. And see, there's a problem, unfortunately, that exists, Gavin, in terms of policing. You know, we have standards, we have guidelines, we have codes, but, you know, it's not enough to meet a standard. It's not enough to meet code. Let's exceed that. Let's show our ability to amplify the community of greater access and greater inclusion by including them as part of the process rather than telling us how we did. You know, it's, it's almost a slap in the face when you're asked to review a building that's already been built when you can be part of the process to build it accessibly from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and point fingers. I think in terms of local authorities and what they've allowed to be built isn't even in line with what was existing in many areas. And so you don't actually have any continuation of architecture. And as a, as a, as a result, we're losing our architectural cultural history uh which to me is just crazy um but i guess the people that sit behind their desks uh that get the brown envelopes don't really care too much about the rest of us so good on them we got to keep fighting the good fight and so we got to get to the people that do care um absolutely and how do we do that because you know I guess you're used to people knocking you back, right? I guess you just keep knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking until you get someone that's responsive. You, you make a fantastic point, Gavin. Like, and that's the problem with uh, the advocacy, you know, when you receive pushback. You know, there's, um, 
the thought and the idea to just be content with the quality of life that we're living or, you know, the semblance to want to make an impact and push back to the pushback that we receive. And, and, and that's what we got to continue to do. We got to show that our quality of life matters. We got to show that our quality of life is equal to other communities, uh, members in our, in our world. And we have to create that equality and ensuring that, you know, people with disabilities get the accommodations needed, get the accommodations that can help make an impact for everybody. Like a ramp, for example, building a ramp is easy, but it also impacts a, a family who has a stroller, for example. You know, uh, it also impacts the non-disabled community as well. Accessibility and inclusion is a win for everybody. And I think that message gets often overlooked and overshadowed because when we think of access, we're thinking of the disability community uh, as a whole rather than the community at large. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I tell you what, why don't we end with your version, your vision of the future, how you would like things to go? You know, I, the vision of the future to me is, is organic. It's authentic. It's everything happens uh, second nature. We don't have to think of access and think of inclusion uh, at the forefront or at the forefront anymore. It's there. It exists. It's authentic. You know, we, we have to work together to put that in place. Again, it'll never be perfect. I really don't think it'll ever be perfect, Gavin. It'll be a, a work in progress, but we have to build it with momentum. Uh, Rick Hansen, my mentor, says that if you believe in a dream and have the courage to try, anything is possible. And Rick is a gentleman in Canada who uh, started the foundation where the uh, the numbers of the buildings where I spoke to earlier about the 1% of access uh, from a new build is uh, will help uh, create that building more accessible rather than retrofitting accessibility. You know, in life, there are no problems, only solutions waiting to be found. And in saying that, I think that, again, it's the power of allyship. It's the power of working together and ensuring that everybody belongs, everybody's included, and everybody matters. And, you know, there are tangibles and intangibles that need to be put in place. Education needs to be amplified. Attitudinal barriers need to be eradicated. It's going to continue. It needs to be, uh, it needs to be forward moving. Two final questions for you, Anthony. Firstly, sure. if anything you've said has resonated with anyone tonight and they wanted to reach out, how could they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, my website is www.anthonyfrazina.ca. Uh, all my social medias are on there as well. And yeah, I think uh, they could reach out to me that way. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And lastly, what does stay outstanding mean to you? It's just being your authentic self, you know, being proud of who you are, you know, and not being afraid uh, to to be who you are, you know, and showing up and showing out and showing positivity, respect, gratitude, and how we can work together to change uh, the narrative to greater access and greater inclusion. 
Amazing, amazing. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight and your knowledge and all the hard work that you do that doesn't get recognized behind the scenes. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you so much, Gavin. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and let's keep going. I believe you'll get across the finishing line, my friend. Pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the content and got any value, please do like it, rate it, follow, subscribe, and leave a comment. You'll find us across all the social media channels, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. It's been my privilege to host you today. I'm Gavin Scott. Until next time, stay outstanding.